Hey, I'm Pastor Steve Holt. I want to empower you today to walk in your true identity as a worshiper and warrior. Today, embrace the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the Born for War podcast. It's a little bit interesting that we hit one of the most um, pointed passages in all of Scripture about the wrath of God right before Christmas. And I had no choice in this as we go through Romans. But turn to Romans 1, and I'm calling this No Excuses. So that's my title is No Excuses. And we are going to begin this section on the wrath of God, which really goes for three chapters. And we're going to get about halfway through Romans 1 in this particular sermon, letter, treatise that Paul is writing. And then we're going to pick it up after the new year as it moves into some specific areas. But there's a, a line of reasoning here. Now let's look at verse 16. We covered this the last time. Not last week because we had the play, but the, two weeks ago. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes. So it's the power of God to those who believe. So you could argue that if you're not seeing the power of God on a regular basis in your life, it's actually it's the sin of unbelief that causes that to be a regular part of your life. So one of the prayers you should have is, God, increase my belief in your miracle working power in my life that it might exude out to others for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed circle underline highlight revealed from faith to faith for as it is written the just shall live by faith so two weeks ago I covered this verse extensively it's the theme of the book of Romans if you get a hold of Romans 1 16 and 17 you get a hold of that and it becomes a part of your heart it will revolutionize your life so it is the righteousness of God when we believe the righteousness of God is revealed in our hearts to us from faith to faith and this means that not just in justification Wherein we receive Christ and the righteousness of God comes into our life and we're born again. But also sanctification, which is the lifelong journey of the adventure of knowing Christ, that the righteousness of God is revealed. So, so you have the righteousness of God revealed in your life when you get saved, when you give your heart to Christ. That would be most of us, if not virtually all of us in this room, have done that. But it doesn't end there. That's just going up and having the ceremony. That's the marriage ceremony. Now you're married. Okay. How many of you know that marriage is more than a ceremony that you go through that you celebrate every year? So what happens for a lot of American Christians is it ends there. And they look at Romans 1, 16 and 17 as just justification. Actually, Luther did this. Martin Luther, in writing on Romans 1, 16 and 17, pretty much limited his view to justification in other words getting saved because he needed that 
And because of the works righteousness that he had been so accustomed to as an Augustinian monk in the Roman Catholic Church, this was revolutionary to him. But I'm telling you now that the faith to faith is a faith to faith. So it's not just the first faith, it's the ongoing faith that we have in Christ. So then Paul, under the inspiration of Scripture, moves in to a totally different perspective here. And your Bibles, if they're in paragraph form, this would be a new paragraph. But he says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed. So we just saw that the righteousness of God is revealed in verse 17. Verse 18 now, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So there's, he's, he's about to begin like a soliloquy here that we're going to cover. It's way too much to cover in just a few weeks. I mean, in just, a, in just one message, it's going to take a few weeks. But he's going to begin to explain to us how it's revealed. How it's unreal. And he says, first of all, it's revealed against all ungodliness. So ungodliness is our relationship with God. It's, so that's why I call it ungodliness. So there is, a, there is a wrath of God that is revealed. And that word is apocalypse. It's this idea of unveiling in our hearts against ungodliness. So that means our, our damaged relationship with God. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and unrighteousness of men. So ungodliness manifests itself most deeply through how we treat other people. So someone can come to church every Sunday. Somebody can go through a creed, make a statement, walk the aisle, whatever the tradition of that church is, and say that they're a Christian. But if they go out into the community and they're immoral and they're unethical, the wrath of God is against that. We don't have any of that happening in our culture right now, do we? But it's revealed against that. In other words, God reveals the wrath of God, not just in ungodliness, not because we don't believe or we're not trusting God, but also it's how we treat other people. It's how we treat each other. Matter of fact, we could argue that the definition of godliness is the righteousness in which, or the unrighteousness in which, we treat other people. That's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So in a sense, Paul here is defining from a negative side the great commandment. And then he says this, and this is the beginning of, a, I'm going to call it the, regress, the regressive nature of sin, which we begin today, we'll pick up the next time I speak. The reg- not at, I'm not going to do this at Christmas Eve, I promise. We're not right doing that at Christmas Eve. Um, so we'll skip that, but we're going to pick it up probably on like the 8th of January. And that is that all, regre- all of the regressive nature of sin begins with suppressing the truth. In unrighteousness. So this word in classical Greek of, that they use for suppress the truth is a helmsman in a boat trying to maneuver the rudder 
against the stream of the river. So the, the picture that Paul's trying to give to the Romans is that they know the truth. That every man knows the truth. And that the first thing we do is we suppress what we know to be true. And it's like a guy with the rudder, a helmsman there, trying to hold the rudder going against the stream of God. That's suppressing the truth. We're holding down something we know is actually true. So big media, big gov, big farm, and big tech, they love to censor speech right now because they have something to hide. You don't censor something or someone unless you fear what they have to say. So it's a, it's a, it's a valid picture in our culture right now of suppressing the truth. Doing everything you can to keep from the ears and the eyes of the populace what the truth is so that you can continue to perpetuate your lie. And we do the same thing. Any of you here that are involved in a sin that is sort of taking over your life, I'm not talking about the casual sin, but you're practicing something your conscience is pricked because you're suppressing the truth. So the greatest thing you could do is become vulnerable to God and to men, confess your sin to one another, and get set free. Because the truth always sets you free. And it doesn't make you popular. But the wrath of God... The wrath of God is being revealed, he says, against all of those who suppress. You hold down the truth. You know what the right thing to do is, and you won't do it. And what, what I'm going to share the next time I speak is that, is that Burger King had a great idea, but it didn't start with Burger King. It started with God, and that's have it your way. Because look at verse 24. Verse 24 is, Therefore God also gave them up to. Verse 26, For this reason God gave them up to. Verse 28, God gave them over to. So in other words, we're, we're leading up to first suppressing the truth, but there's a digression, and God gives you, you can have it your way. You can have the pickles and the cheese and the mayo, and hold the special sauce. But you will have it your own way, and God allows that in our lives. But it starts with suppressing the truth. Verse 19, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world is invisible, attributes are clearly seen. I underline that. I circle that. I, it's clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So no one's genuinely an atheist. They're suppressing the truth of what they know and what they can see of what God has made. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. 
So when we're driving into the road this morning, those mountains declare the glory of God. The design declares a designer. From the telescope to the microscope, there is a design and there cannot be a design without a designer. So Darwin's tree of life, which is in almost every, if not every, biology textbook, after three centuries of research in the fossil record, mostly in China, they've never produced missing link evidence. There is no fossil record of any transitional forms. Now, I look out at some of you, and I think, well, there are some transitional forms, but, you know, I have to look in the mirror, too. So I don't say that because of the implications to my own look. So we have evidence of the upper part of the tree of microevolution. Everybody knows that. But there's no evidence of the bottom part of the tree of macroevolution. It's right there. It's in the tree of life. And we suppress the truth. And we censor the Genesis account in our schools. The famous Cambrian explosion actually proves creation as told in Genesis 1. In the Cambrian explosion, it's believed in a 24-hour period, things were created. Everything was created. The skeletal system was created. The eyes, the structure of all animals, all created beings was created. That's Genesis 1, gang. We look at the balance of the orbits and the magnetic fields, the oxygen on the earth, the perfect distance of the earth to the sun and the moon. One foot in any direction. And we freeze to death or we get cooked. That's a designer. That's his design. The second law of thermodynamics says everything is breaking down, becoming less complex, not more complex. Evolution teaches that we're moving toward the more complex. And yet the entire universe can be scientifically studied and we can see that we're all moving to the less complex, suppressing the truth. It's evident. We can see it. It's right there. So God is revealing himself to humankind for anyone to see. And he's saying, no, you don't have an excuse. You have no excuse to be an atheist. But you can suppress the truth and you can have it your way. If that's what you want. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, we are his workmanship. That Greek word is poema, where we get the word poem. We are humankind are his greatest creation. We are his workmanship. We are his poem. Every one of you in this room are his poem. God has written his creative love, kindness, power, and purpose on your DNA. And everybody in this room is completely different from the other, and yet we're all the same. I mean, in reality, we're more the same than we're different because we're creating the image of God. 
And because we're created in the image of God, there's this beauty and this dignity about all of us in this room. And yet, within God's creative genius, He's put unique qualities on each one of you that nobody else has. It's your fingerprint. It's your DNA. It's the way He made you in the image of God. God has made it evident. But we don't want God. We don't want His ways because it's intimidating. It's intimidating to scientists. It's intimidating to chemists. It's intimidating to those who've never given their life to Christ. Because if we, if we acknowledge that, then there's accountability. So I was recently in New York. And I don't want to give away too much because it would, if you look back, you'd, it would implicate someone who's very, very famous he, the person I'm talking about is not a friend of mine, but the person interviewing was a friend of mine. But it was, a, it was a, a debate of sorts, okay? It was a debate of sorts in New York, and we were there, and, and Liz and I and Charity and Mary were there with us. And the interviewer was kind of pulling on the strings of a, of a man who's very famous. He's known worldwide, scientist, and philo- really more of a philosopher than a scientist. And he couldn't get him to answer about God, about the existence of God. And when Liz and I left, we both knew in our heart, this has nothing to do with scientific data. This has nothing to do with creation and evolution. This has everything to do with accountability to God if you acknowledge that there's a God. So sin is always sin. Truth is always truth. Righteousness is always righteousness, and God is always God. God doesn't change his mind. And I'm so glad, because if he changes his mind, the first thing he'd do is change his mind about me. And so I'd get to heaven, and he'd say, well, you know, when you first got started, I really had warm thoughts towards you, but now I don't, so go to hell. So I'm glad that God doesn't change. And so God created the heavens and the earth to first of all be the most powerful apologetic for his existence. Well, he continues, verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. So we don't glorify God. Wilder Smith, one of the 12 most brilliant men in the world, a godly man, tells the story of talking to Carl Sagan, who is getting all this money from the government with the Sadie Project, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, SETI Project, with the radar telescope and trying to pick up signals from space and what would constitute outside intelligence. So here's what they were looking for. They're looking for a pattern and order in a message being received from outer space. And he wasn't finding anything. So Wilder Smith said, Carl, put down your radar telescope. Come into my lab and look through the electron microscope and I'll show you a digital code on the helix of the DNA that is perfectly ordered and proves there is outside intelligence. 
But Carl Sagan would not come, would not look, willingly ignorant. And Paul here calls those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness the smartest people in the earth becoming fools. They quench the testimony of God and they become fools. They profess themselves to be wise, but they become fools. And the Greek word is moros, which is where we get the word moron. So the most intelligent people in the world become morons. Harry Reimer said, quote, Most philosophers are like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there, but that's not the problem. The problem is that they find it. Linus Pauly, two-time Nobel Prize winner, said science should be the search for truth. Robert Boyle, father of modern-day chemistry, said, quote, From the knowledge of God's work, we shall know him. 600 Ph.D. scientists have signed a document, quote, A scientific descent of Darwinism. Scientists from Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, Berkeley are saying, Darwin, Darwinism is too much of a leap of faith. We are seeing the evidence of a creator God in biology, chemistry, physiology, and cosmology. Suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Professing to be wise and becoming morons. Verse 24. Excuse me, verse 23. And changed, professing to be wise, they become fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image, an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, I love the outdoors, and I love to hike, and I love to hunt, and I love to fish, but it's never occurred to me to worship a pine tree. I, just, I could try to renew my mind and think, that's what I should worship. That's how stupid you become when you begin to worship images. You've heard of the NFL. So we worship rock stars and movie stars and football stars and athletes. We, we, we get on their Instagram and we look at their TikTok stuff that they send out because we're focused on four-footed and two-footed creatures who roam the earth. And happen to be really good at throwing an oval ball. Or putting a round ball into a basket from very, very far away. You see, idolatry is not some guy who's got a bone in his nose and he's worshipping a tiki god. In the West, our worship are those, are those images. And so now, we find ourselves in... And I have to be careful, too, because I really like to watch Georgia football. But I don't worship there. But I do get pretty excited about it. So there's a difference between, I think, the joy that comes with entertainment for brief periods of time in our life versus idolatry, which is that's all we're thinking about. So it can be a car. It can be our 401K. It can be our stocks. And if any of you have been nervous with your stocks over the last year, you deservedly should be. That's idolatry. If we overthink and we analyze and we focus to such a degree 
that it becomes like a God in our life. So let's put our idols on the altar here this morning. Do you have some idols in your life? Are there some things in your life that you're so fixated on that it gets in the way of the kingdom of God? I love what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if you look at Matthew 6, that's Matthew 6, 33, you note that all the preceding verses are about worry about finances, worrying about the culture, worrying about your clothes, worrying about um, material things. And then he says, if you'll seek, in other words, if you'll take your eyes off this, put your eyes on me and seek the kingdom first, I will line your life up. I'll take care of those things. He understands. God understands. And I think appropriately so, we do have to worry about those things because then worry is what actually instills in us the action to work hard. So there's nothing wrong with that. But he's saying quit worrying about this and start worrying about this. In other words, make me your focus. I'll take care of that. And so as we, as we put the kingdom first, it's amazing with people who put the kingdom first, how much of their finances, how much of the other areas of their life start to line up because you become of the creative order of what God instilled for you to be from the very beginning. And so as, as you're a kingdom person seeking the kingdom first, he, he adds things up. And that's why you can put right next to that, parallel with that, where, where Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So freedom comes from truth. Seeking the kingdom is the first truth. I mean, that's the first truth is the kingdom of God. We, we make that our focus. Then we start to line ourselves up with truth, which is not just the word, but it's also your conscience. It's also the word within. It's the logos within. You have a logos within. And that's what I say to the men a lot at Wholehearted Men is become articulate with your words. Learn how to speak well. Learn how to talk well. Think about how you use words. Because when you use words well, you line yourself up with truth. If your words have truth on them, and I'm trusting that they, they do at Wholehearted Men, we start to, but if you can't articulate yourself well, and you're just a bunch of jumbled up thoughts because nobody ever taught you how to speak start stop that learn how to talk and you men in this room if i had your wives all stand up and say what what's one thing you wish your husband would do better usually it's, i wish they just talk so we're not good communicators right we the, the male side of the homo sapien is not a very good communicator sometimes. And, and yet, Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom. All these things will be added to you. Seek truth. It'll set you free. And he's the Logos. And so the Logos is within us. And God can make us articulate with the truth. And it sets us free. Go like this if you understand anything I'm saying. Okay, good. All right, good church. So, so what Paul is saying is we suppress the truth and unrighteousness and the wrath of God is revealed against that. 
And then he says we have this tendency to worship at these idols that we create or the things that we can see when the things that we should see are the things that should be showing us the righteousness of God. We don't worship the mountains. We don't worship human beings. But the mountains, according to Psalm 19, are are the beauty and the majesty of God. And then every person that we tend to worship at is actually created in the image of God and gives us the beauty and the dignity of God closer than anything else that we have on the earth is another human being created in the image of God. And so when we start lining things up, things start to come together. Thank you for listening to the Born for War podcast. We hope today's message has empowered you to make a difference in your world. To connect with Pastor Steve's sermons, books, and blog, visit steveholtonline.org. God bless.